here is the podcast promise. Even if an asteroid strikes us, we'll carry on going. I like it. <laughs> Nothing will stop us broadcasting every week, and our special guest today will be helping us. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. We're here again in the British Interpretary Society Library, and uh, did you know, Jamie, that uh, four years ago tomorrow oh, yeah. is the anniversary of the Chelyabinsk asteroid strike? No way. You know, the one with all the Russian dash cam Where things. has the time gone? Yeah, four years ago. Today's guest, who is joining us in the library, is Debbie Lewis from Asteroid Day. Hey, Debbie. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome Welcome to the show. Jamie. Good morning, Matt. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, uh, please, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, yeah, my name's Debbie Lewis, um, and I came across the the subject of near-Earth objects uh, while looking for something interesting to write about uh, for my Masters that I was studying at, at the University of Leicester. Um, and my supervisors have told me, you know, you need something, you need a subject that will keep you interested, you know, for the duration of the whole of the whole process. Because, you know, you're 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 writing a dissertation for a master's level for about six, eight months. Right. So I, mean, if you, I mean, I started about a year into it. Hmm. Um, so I was just really looking for something interesting um, that would just keep me occupied uh, throughout the process. And um, it didn't so much keep me interested as obsessed um, and um, and uh, I think my, my partner at home thought, yeah, when she's finished with all this, you know, she'll put space and she'll put asteroids and then we can move on. And, uh, <laughs> and I thought, well, there's nothing to move on to after, after you've, you know, you've, you've come into contact with the subject of near-Earth objects. Well, not, certainly not for me. Hmm. Um, and suddenly I discovered um, a whole, I wouldn't say army of people, but, you know, there's a veritable uh, number of uh, scientists who I've had the pleasure, some I've had the pleasure of meeting, um, and it's you know it's a fascinating subject, um, and there's some fascinating people working in this field. Um, so it's maintained my my interest really, and, and I'd love to do a PhD one day, but um, but we'll just keep that as an academic aspect. Oh, yes, so, yeah. yeah, I want to <laughs> do a PhD as well. I'm trying, I'm trying to work out in what yeah. music or space. I just can't work it out which one. It's a tough call. So Debbie, what and when is Asteroid Day? Um, Asteroid Day is. Uh, an extremely special movement um, and it's been designated by the United Nations or declared by the, uh, the United Nations that June the 30th uh, is International Asteroid Day and June the 30th is a, a very very key date because of course that's the anniversary of Tunguska um, you mentioned Chelyabinsk um, and it's the anniversary of Tunguska which occurred on uh, in 1908 mm. uh, again a, 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 a meteorite um, you know fireball across the sky um, and the 2,000 kilometre square forest uh, that was devastated as a result. And the key thing from that really is that, you know, we were extremely fortunate, not if you're the forest, clearly, but we were extremely fortunate, you know, as as humanity and society uh, that that ended up um, exploding over over the the forest. Had that been over New York, um, London... Tokyo or any other major city worldwide um, then that would have had quite a devastating effect Mm. and similar in a way to the effects that we saw from Chelyabinsk Mm. I mean you see the dash cam footage and of course you see this fireball strobing across you know streaking across the sky but what you don't see 
unless you sort of delve a little bit deeper, and which is where my interest comes in, is the impact effects from that. And it was a very small object, or relatively small object. Yeah. But, you know, buildings were damaged. You know, you see the sort of the roofs off, um, and, of course, the glass was shattered, again, because of the, 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 uh, the speed of the impact. So there's a lot of impact effects on the ground. And, of course, the, the, around about sort of 1,500 people were injured. Um, and so, very simply... There are things that I think you could do to warn, inform and advise society of the hazard. I mean, fortunately and thankfully, Chelyabinsk doesn't happen every day. Um, But that's, again, that's the other problem because it doesn't happen very rarely. Mm. It's like snow in the UK. Um, and, you know, if it's a really, really bad blizzard, you know, then in the UK we're absolutely, we can't move. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, that was one point I wanted to bring up was that how do we actually plan for a disaster with if if we're unfortunate enough that an asteroid strike is above a major town or a major city? How do we even start to plan for something like that when we do struggle with things like leaves on the track? Exactly, exactly. absolutely. Well, this is the the frustration I have at the moment because my field is very much in resilience preparedness. Uh, or that was a sort of a new Labour term because Tony Blair didn't like the term emergency. (laughs) So it was almost like expunged from vocabulary. Um, But, you know, the old speak for it is emergency planning Mm -hmm. um, and emergency preparedness. Um, So in relation to an asteroid impact event or anything, you know, from a Chelyabint size or even a Tunguska size, um, if if they were to happen tomorrow um, or within the next few days, then... I can honestly, I can tell you now, there is, there is no, there's no plans. No one has a plan. And the, the, problem, the difficulty with that is that we have, don't have a mandate to plan. And we're very fortunate, and again I hark back to the scientific community, because they've identified this as a serious science and a serious hazard. Um, and they've identified this, you know, back in the 80s. Here we are in 2017, and has it, has it sort of crossed over from the scientific community into an emergency planning community or even a geopolitical community? No. No. Sadly. Is that one of the goals of Asteroid Day to, 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 to help yes. that facilitate? Something? Exactly. And that's, that's a beauty. I mean, when I finished my, my, my master's and, um, and I had you know, quite a decent mark, I had 85%. So it was like, oh, you know, I can conquer the world. Yeah, I think some this. of my students were that good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was, I was lucky. I was able to do it full time. Mm. You know, and, and I, again, I sort of ate, slept, you know, breathed it. I, didn't do, I was completely obsessed yeah. by it. So I, I, didn't, I didn't do anything else you know, for five months while I was solidly writing this um and so hence obviously the high mark um and once you've put it on a shelf well it's no good on a shelf yeah. is it mm. um and so it was it was for you know as a result of the research from my masters you know you meet people and it's it's more about the people that you meet yeah and it's their their contacts and i met um a lovely scientist by the name of dr mark boslow um and he introduced me to um asteroid day and he introduced me to Greg Richters, who's one of the co-founders. Right. Um, and as a result of that, that's how I became involved with Asteroid Day. Um, and essentially it is, it's, it's there purely and simply to raise the awareness of the hazard, but not just the hazard. The fact that, um, again, with um, you know, advances in technology, it's not enough just to know that they're up there, mm-hmm. um, but the fact that we can do something about it. It's mm-hmm. the only hazard... The only natural hazard that you can identify 
discover and track and determine where it's going to hit. Okay, along initially along a very risk, uh, a, a long risk corridor, but you know there is a technology there to be able to deflect the asteroid away from Earth's orbit, and that's fantastic. But you know, I don't know why more people don't get excited. I mean, I get very excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I just think, well, fantastic. You know, we're, I won't say we're halfway there, but you, you can't see that for hurricanes. You can't, well, to a certain extent, but you've only got a very narrow warning mm. time. Um, but with earthquakes, none. Um, and, and, you know, landslides, tsunamis and all of that, you've got a very limited warning time. But what you can do, particularly in relation to tsunamis, of course, is the warning and informing and the advising. So because it's such a rare event, um, and back in 2004, I think it was, um, you know, there was um, a, a lovely tale um, of, a, of, a, of a family who'd survived because the daughter had been taught about tsunamis in school. And so she could see the sea suddenly being, you know, disappearing, right. being pulled back. Yeah. And, and her parents were like, oh, that's a strange phenomenon. Um, and she said, I know exactly what that is, and we need to get out of here. We need to get to high ground. Mm. And she saved the family. Amazing. Um, exactly. Um, and so it's that kind of thing. If we'd have had something similar in place for Chelyabinsk, then you could have said to people, OK, the chances of this happening, extremely low. But when it does happen, it's, you know, <laughs> it does have quite an impact. Absolutely. Um, and so therefore, don't go anywhere near the windows. Just a very, very simple message. Yeah. Because what would you, what would, like, now... Yeah. You know, you know, we see a strobe of light. Mm. What, what are you going to do? I mean, it, that is one yeah. of the things that I thought think is incredible about Chelyabinsk was that you walk outside and you could see the the cloud left by yes. the um, by the meteorite, mm. and you could see it, and and it looks actually quite low, even though obviously it's very, very, very high. Mm. And you're sort of standing there, and then suddenly the windows start smashing in minutes and minutes and minutes yes. after this after mm. this thing's gone through, mm. and it seems so counterintuitive. So without education, it, there's, no, there's not hope in hell that it, you're going to get people yeah. to absolutely. Stay away you from are the going windows. to be drawn. You are going to be drawn to it. Um, so uh, as a result of that, um, it's it's very important um, in the same way that they have um, in Japan with earthquake drills. Mm. Um, and you see sort of video footage of children, you know, at school in classrooms, um, and there's an earthquake alert, and they they know instinctively what to do because mm. they're trained. You know, they don't even bother looking out the window. Yeah. They don't. You know, they keep away. Where is it if it happens under the over desk? Here? Well, exactly. In bedlam. In, in indeed, yeah. and it needn't be. Um, but this comes back to a, a point I was sort of trying to make earlier: um, is that particularly in the UK um, at the moment. We don't have a mandate for this. So even if there was one um, heading our way, um, as in the film 51 Degrees North, you know, it was, it was you know, destination London, um, then there is no mandate at the moment for emergency planners to roll their sleeves up and think about this. Um, and unfortunately, the hazard isn't, hasn't made it onto um, the risk register. What? So it hasn't even been risk assessed nationally. And there's a thing in the UK called the National um, Risk Register. Um, and unfortunately, it doesn't appear. Fortunately, space weather does, but I'd say this is a little bit a bit more extreme. Yeah. Than, and I wouldn't classify it as space weather, um, because, again, the impact effects are completely different. Why is that? Because you've got so many high-profile scientists like Lord Martin Reason, yes. all, all these people, 
they're obviously extremely behind the project and extreme. And, and I was reading the list yeah yesterday. Yes. I mean, you know, Brian Cox, Brian May. Yes, it's like well, yes. who else do you need to be backing yes, it before yes. the government take notice? It, it, exactly, and this is um, this, this for me is is a, is a big issue because I'm a member. Of, well, I'm a fellow of the Emergency Planning Society, and I've addressed the Emergency Planning, Planning Society on this subject. Um, and I think most of my fellow emergency planners would like to be able to support this. But again, we don't have the mandate to do so. So I'm hoping that one of the things that will come through following this asteroid day is that we start to create enough initiative um, so that it, it does appear on the National Risk Register. If, you know, if that's my goal, really, for yeah. this year, that's sort of like my New Year's resolution in February... Um, to have, you know, to, to, to campaign and to focus a specific goal, if you like. Um, and I think as soon as it is on the National Risk Register, then the other things can follow. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, at the moment, if anything were to happen, I mean, obviously, yeah, there are emergency plans in place for, you know, fire, evacuation, mm. you know, and, of course, cyber threats um, and terrorism. So the response to something like an asteroid... Um, impact the the effects are largely similar um, in that you've got you know you've got casualties yeah. um, you've got um, you've got you know ma- falling masonry and 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 you know and an explosion and that kind of thing so there are similarities so you you I mean that's the first rule of almost emergency planning you know you don't you don't that's the irony isn't it is that this is because this is a natural threat yes. not a missile sent from somewhere yes. um, you know, which we would have a billion backup plans for, wouldn't we, if mm. it was a missile? Mm. But the fact that it's a natural object. You yes. know, it, well, I mean, what, one question I will always have is: is there seems to be an, an enormous range of 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 possibilities with asteroids? Yes. So yes. that you could have a, a fairly major asteroid event of an airborne explosion asteroid that would say knock out a town and it would be dreadful. Mm. But you could also have a direct hit that would be catastrophic beyond you know beyond imagination that something that we'd never dealt with before yes. so as a disaster planner how would you how do you even come how do you start to sort of chip away at the at the kind of diversity at the spectrum of damage that could be caused well exactly and that's the challenge and that's the thing um, that i think previous discussions um that i've had with uh, members of the Emergency Planning Society and I think earlier discussions that they'd had uh, prior to my involvement with the Cabinet Office um, and it literally the uncertainty um, because it's not one size um, uh, will is floating around um, in space um, and it, they will all have a trajectory of such and such yeah. so they will all come in at a speed of this mm-hmm. and they will all cause this type of damage well hey you know wouldn't that be fantastic yeah. you know write a plan excellent move mm-hmm. on and that's the uncertainty of the hazard, um, because it's the size is, is one uncertainty. And of course, the, at the moment, and this is why uh, discovery and observation is so key to this, um, because it's the smaller ones that, of course, are harder to detect because mm. the surface is very small. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't yeah. reflect the sun. So they're very dark and very small. Yeah. And those are the ones that we are at more risk. Well, sneak in, don't they? I mean, what, what was funny about Chelyabinsk was the fact that it was round about that time everyone was looking at another asteroid that was travelling between us and the moon. That's right, yes. And it, this one just comes in from behind. No one's looking. Yeah, it's I mean, yeah, no one knows. Well, anything. it was harder to find because it had come from behind the sun. Yeah. 
Um, and so, yeah, f- forget forget that. Um, and again, that's that's again added to the uncertainty of it because you, at the moment, um, you can only look at night sky. And this is why, um, you know, space-based telescopes are so absolutely fundamentally key to this. Mm. Um, so that, you know, for the safety of humanity, we can plot the ones. Um, and there was one um, asteroid, uh, and I always get the name of this wrong. I think it's um, the one in 2006, TC8. Ooh, someone's going to sort of throw things at the radio <laughs> or, or shout at me and go, oh, how could you get that wrong? I, I can oh, never we'll, remember we'll, it. Sorry, we'll take the slack on the... On the uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I can tell you where it landed. Thankfully, it landed harmlessly in the Nubian desert, but the, that was a beautiful thing about that, that um, the Minot Planet Centre was able to plot the trajectory. Oh, was this the one that was on the horizon? They showed it on the horizon. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, that was really interesting. Exactly. Yeah. And that was... But they had 19 hours warning. And and luckily, it was only a relatively small... Well, it was a small object, and it landed harmlessly in the desert. And mm. that's the other thing, because, you know, I think it was 70% of the Earth's surface is covered in sea. But it was a pretty big explosion, visible from space, wasn't it? it this, this, exactly. This yeah. mm. um, and in fact, there was, I think it was a KLM pilot who witnessed it. And at least, you know, so they were able to um, um, uh, inform, if you like, the war... This is where I come in yeah. with my warning, informing and advising. They were able to inform... Um, the uh, the you know the the airline industry to say you know at such and such a time if you're on this flight path right. you will likely to see it and b- don't be alarmed because that's the other thing if you're can you imagine if you know you're a pilot and you're you know <laughs> in the middle of a long flight <laughs> been a long day and there you are and you're sitting there um, and suddenly you just sort of see this flash you are going to think whoa yeah. that's going to wake you up and yeah. you what what am i flying into and is there another one and yeah. you know, and what is it is it natural yeah. is it man made well i mean that, that is it ex- hostile that existential mm. threat really the biggest one is um one of the russians or chinese mistaking it as uh, an interballistic missile isn't it that that exactly and so that's the other problem because you you may end up Understandably, you know, because of all the unrest yeah. uh, that we, you know, the lack, or shall we say, the lack of harmony yeah. in the world uh, today, uh, that it could be perceived to be, um, um, you know, a, a threatening um, um, action. Yeah. Um, and of course, we don't really that on top of you know a hot a hotbed of you know of a political situation at the moment. Then it doesn't help the situation. Definitely. Um, so again, you know, this is why it's really, really important that. You know, there is an international uh, aspect uh, to this, which, of course, Asteroid Day, you know, mm. is, is promoting. Um, and yeah, thankfully, they can be flagged up in time. Exactly. And thankfully, you know, uh, as a result of the UN, um, it is an international Asteroid Day mm. so that, um, you know, countries around the world start to, even if they're just aware of the hazards, so mm. that your initial, if anything does happen, then your initial reaction is that it's a natural hazard rather than anything, um, you know, sort of military... Is there, um, is, there a, is there a tick box of, uh, of uh, aims and goals that the Asteroid Day has, as in what's the number one thing or number two thing and number three thing that you really want to achieve with, with Asteroid Day? Or, or, is, does, or doesn't it work like that? Or is it just overall awareness? I would say it's overall awareness. Um, and the beauty of it is is the number of partner organizations and agencies that have signed up so it's all about sort of generating that momentum it is you know i almost feel a bit like an asteroid day evangelist um you know encouraging people to sort of to sign up and to support um because it's only with 
public awareness, public um, um, support, that you can start to achieve things, that you can start to take the mm. issues forward. Like, like, as I say, my goal for the United Kingdom is very much that this needs to be on the risk register. Mm. Um, and again, and that's not to sort of take anything away from what's happened previously. You know, it's not, you know, because there's a task force report. Um, and of course, um, Sir Crispin Tickell, um, you know, who was, you know, and still is extremely interested to see how, you know, the government takes that initiative mm. forward. Um, people like myself, um, you know, we do tend to get a bit frustrated that the speed at which um, an interest in this subject, um, in order to do something useful with, is not as perhaps as fast as, as we would like. I mean, and I'm the world's worst because I think, right, okay, I've, I've got it, I know what the hazard is, right, okay, right, so this is what we need to do. Yeah. And But it's bringing people to the same place yeah. that I'm, that we're in. And, of course, you know, not everybody has the luxury of sort of spending four years researching near-Earth objects. Yeah, but what yeah. else is there, yeah. really? So in an ideal world, what would, <laughs> what, would the, what would a mandate look like? If, if this asteroid day, you know, let's say that there was 100,000 signatures on a petition that meant that the government had to talk about it, mandate comes out, what would you say that in an ideal world that would look like? Very much, I think, in an ideal world, it would be um, that we had the political support, um, th that it was recognised as a serious um, uh, risk posed to the UK, but equally UK interests. Yeah. Um, and this is the other thing, that um, it's not just the damage, because uh, we've talked a lot about the impact effects, of, or the ground effects from an asteroid strike, um, but equally, we've got a lot of facilities and infrastructure in space. Mm, yeah. um, you know, satellites, um, you know, everyone who uses a sat-nav. Well, if there was an asteroid strike or a meteor strike, I mean, they, they could be damaged. Mm. Um, and, of course, in modern technology, a mm. lot of that is all satellite-based. Mm. So it's thinking about, you know, our, our lives are so sophisticated now. Um, and as a, as a result of that level of sophistication, I think they're quite vulnerable. Mm. Um, and if and if we lost everything, um, space infrastructure, ground infrastructure, just being able to sort of charge up your mobile phone. I mean, I'm lost without Wi-Fi. Yeah. I mean, how sad is that? <laughs> I, I, the, 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 the one there, there's a book <laughs> by a BIS member and someone I believe is is, yes. is involved with, yes. with with the asteroid day by Lewis Dart. That's right. The and knowledge, the knowledge. Yes. It is literally one of my favourite books ever. It, it, I can't it, I can't get over how good it, it is. Exactly, <laughs> because that's the thing. But, Sometimes you think that you are. You know, when, when you're in isolation studying and researching, etc., you know, you think you're the only person with these views. Yeah. And so it's been absolutely so refreshing, you know, to meet like-minded individuals that we have a different perspective on it. Mm. But ultimately, you know, we're all part of the same yeah. group, if you like. And that's, that's a wonderful thing about Asteroid Day because, you know, I did think I was a bit of a lone voice. Um, and so it was fabulous to sort of meet not just one person or half a dozen people, but literally thousands of people... And, and it's growing all the time. Um, and certainly in relation to Asteroid Day, you know, there's about 97 regions um, around the world or countries around the world. And they're all starting to sort of host events um, in order to, again, promote the hazard, but promote the fact that there are things that you can do in mitigation against um, the hazard. So, you know, that becoming quite worldwide, because that's the other thing that if anything happened and one country was affected it would be completely beyond 
um, you know, the financial yeah. realms. Well, I mean, if, uh, I mean, I mean, London would be ridiculous because you'd lose uh, a major yeah. banking sector yeah. for a start off. But yes. I mean, it, it, is there insurances in place to, to to sort of cope with that kind of financial shock? Because it 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 would be devastating, wouldn't it? I mean, it, it would yeah. make the banking crisis of two thousand and eight seem like nothing. Wouldn't it? So, <laughs> so it, is Quite there, minor, really. It, yeah. Has anyone actually really looked at the kind of in, the way that this kind of insurance of of other in, a whole, basically, an entire international body coming together to to really rescue the the situation is 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 that in place or is it? Um, as far as I'm aware, um, and and I sit to be corrected. Yeah. Um, but as far as I'm aware, from, from the, the extent of my research, no, uh, there is no funding mechanism in place in order to respond to an asteroid impact effect, uh, the effect from an impa- uh, asteroid impact rather. However, there are current insurance mechanisms that are in place, which I feel could be utilised. Um, and Swiss Re and Munich Re reinsurance, they do sovereign or macro insurance. And the idea behind that is that you identify the hazards first and then you start to put the funding in place, uh, spreading through a number of sort of private and, and, um, and public uh, and organisational um, sort of financial companies um, so that no one organisation, no one country has to take the hit, if mm. you like, uh, both physically and financially. Mm, yeah. um, I mean, that, that's the trouble. You have a natural disaster. I mean, if I go back to 2011, um, and Australia had some pretty um, uh, significant severe flooding. Um, and who, who had the bill for that? Mm. The taxpayer. And who suffered? The taxpayer. Mm. So you're paying twice... Um, and I don't think, well, it's not just me, you know, the, the current thinking is that that's not appropriate, no. that you mm. don't penalise people just because they happen to be the victims of it. They're it's on the receiving really. end of it. So, OK, so you've got to you've got to pay. Um, so very much, I think, you know, if if funding mechanisms um, could be looked at uh, in relation to macro and sovereign insurance, um, then that's a way that spreads, um, you know, the financial burden. And internationally, because again, I mean, you mentioned London. Yeah. I mean, it's an international hub. Yeah, I mean, it would be it'd be catastrophic. Exactly, <laughs> a lot. You of... don't want it to get to the stage where it's just one of those disasters that happens that then people sit up and go, "Oh, we need to do something about this." <laughs> with you lot screaming, "Well, we've been well, trying to tell you. We've yeah. been telling you this since the 1980s. Yeah. You know yeah. that this is this this is happening, and it's it's almost like the sort of Hurricane Katrina. Um, and I think it was the um, the engineers, the military engineers in the states. That, that plotted 30 years before um, Hurricane Katrina um, that, um, that that was going to happen, that mm. because the levees weren't sufficient, they would be, they'd be overtopping, they'd be inundated, and they needed to do some work on supporting the infrastructure. Um, and they plotted it 30 years. But that's the trouble, you see. Who do you give that message to? Mm. It's like, well, it's not for today, chaps, but in 30 years' time, you know, this is going to happen. We're well, not going to be around, really. Are you? Yeah. So, so yeah. it's almost you know that it's like a relay race. It's like who do you pass the baton on to? And for me, in relation to asteroids, at what point do you start planning? Well, I mean, it's one of those things of it's also the money for it as well. It's like how do you justify something? I mean, what is the death toll from asteroid strikes mm. at the, currently? It's 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 pretty low, I think. Um, well, it is, and it, and it always reminds me from my days as a local councillor uh, when parents can see a danger yeah. with crossing the road to a particular school or a particular yeah. facility in the community, um, and they want a, a zebra crossing. So you do your petitions, and mm. you know there you are, um, and or oh, no one's died on the road. Yeah. So we're not going to put a zebra crossing in. 
or a pelican crossing. Yeah. You think, well, no, whoa, stop, whoa, stop, whoa. Yeah, yeah, whoa. Yeah, yeah. You know, <clears throat> this is the idea. And then people talk about being proactive. Yeah. Oh, no, we're not reactive, we're proactive. And so you say to people, okay, well, what are you doing that's proactive? Oh, we're waiting for something to happen. And then we'll react. Well, yeah, yeah it's not proactive. Yeah, it reminds me of that. Uh, there's that really lovely uh, quote or saying that uh, a society grows great when people plant trees in which they will never sit in the shade of. And it's that thing, isn't it? Of yes. What are you going to do for people 100 years down the line? Are you going to do anything? You know what I mean? Yes. Exactly what you just said. Like, yeah. What it, what it reminds me of is the Millennium Bug. Because it, it's like they're what we did plan for the Millennium Bug. Yeah. And then, it, and then nothing happened. Everyone went, oh, what a waste of time. It's like, no, no, no. That's the whole point. Yeah. It, it, it was well, planned for. That, yeah. Well, that's the yeah. thing. Because, I mean, that's the thing with sort of any risk assessment and the uncertainty. You know, that's, you know, you sort of think, well, okay, 50-50 chance. Let's not bother doing anything. Um, but that's the trouble, you see. We don't know. And um, and uh, oh, with the with the gift of having a crystal ball, sadly they're a bit lacking. Mm. Um, and no one would you. Yeah, that's what they used to do in the olden days. You know, emergency planning. I mean, you had fizzy hair, blacked out teeth, and rune stones. Um, and mm. you know, and would you take somebody seriously mm. with with that? Yeah. Um, and so, consequently, not. So it's like, so we have risk assessment. So here we are. We've got a perfect framework and a, and a fantastic facility in which you can risk assess. <laughs> uh, you can risk assess the hazard, um, and and that was the basis of, of of my my master's dissertation. I've basically risk assessed it. Yeah. So it is possible to risk assess it, um, and so the work's been done. Um, but it's a case of right. Well, the next the next step, so that you can start then to sort of put put plans in place, um, because that's the thing at the moment that um, although they haven't discovered. Um, you know, a large asteroid that has the potential to wipe out London or any other major city. Mm. That's not to say that it's not there. I was going to say, I mean, what, what what's the percentage, do they think, of, of undiscovered, roughly, oh, undiscovered asteroids? It's quite oh, high, isn't it? Do you know, you're, you're right. And, but I have to say, math's not my strong point. Yeah. Um, so um, I, I'm, I do, I'd only be guessing, and again... Because the large ones, there's about, oh, just over a 1,000 large ones, they think, and they've got about 900... Catalogued is that about right? I, so, so that sounds yes, so that about, sounds you've got, you've familiar. Ten percent of them still uh, exactly. Well, and, and these are the, the, these are these are game over ones, aren't they? That, well, exactly. This is like this is like <laughs> Donald Rumsfeld and his known yeah the known, 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 known unknowns known. exactly. Yeah. So this is this is a known unknown. Yeah. Um, and um, and and this is just a classic example of that. Really, it's it's being prepared for the for the the hazards and the threats that we don't know about. Hmm. Um, and so many times, you know, you've, you've mentioned before that, you know, after an event's happened, oh, well, we couldn't have foreseen that. Well, excuse me. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, if anybody says that in response, you know, should, you know, touching wood here, um, you know, should anything happen? Oh, well, we, we couldn't predict that. We couldn't foresee that. Well, that, you know, yeah. that, that, that's what, not what valid. What would be annoying is if there is a minor asteroid att- uh, uh, impact that, that has a reasonable amount of devastation and, yeah. and, and horror... That the scientists will be the first people that everyone, ah, oh, that, that we that, that they weren't doing their job. It would be, it'd be it'd definitely be one of those really unfair things. It's like, mm. <laughs> um, it, it it will be, and that that again sort of um, just sort of highlights the complexity yeah. of the hazard, um, and why it is just so difficult. I think for the non scientific community to to kind of grapple with, if you like, um, because it's so imprecise. Um, 
And some people are sort of thinking, well, because you haven't found, you know, a large asteroid that's going to flatten us, well, we're not interested. Hmm. Well, yes, but it's it's a bit yeah, more complex. It's not really the point, is no, it? No, exactly, yeah. because you've got a Chelyabinsk uh, type type incident, you know, which could happen perhaps once every 10, 20 years, something yeah. like that. And then the other thing is that, okay, the beauty of being able to um, identify these these asteroids, if there is a large one, um, then at least they can plot its trajectory through follow-on observations. They can pretty much see where this where the object is going. And then with characterization missions, which are really really important, you can identify what the what the object is made of. Right, yeah. So you know if it's this solid lump heading towards us, or if it's a loosely assembled, you know, snowball, snowball yeah. essentially. So again, the effects are completely different. Um, but it's only this is why the characterization missions are so key so you know exactly what you're dealing with and then as a result of that um, they can generally predict how long it will take that that object to head towards us Um, and with that you know say you could have 20 years and they call it warning time but I call it preparation time Um, so there are things in place then um, that you can start to sort of to think about um, and obviously the main one, of course, is deflection. It's monumental, though, isn't it? I mean, if, we, if we're talking about space missions, for example, there's AIM and ARM and, and quite a few of these asteroid missions that actually keep often get scrubbed because they're so fearfully expensive and difficult to do and, you know, they haven't even built SLS yet and, and that's the kind of, that's yes, the kind of vehicle yeah. you need to actually do these uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of com- competition, I, I find, uh, just from my experience... In relation to you know other planetary activity and yeah. other things that are, well, in my view they're not as exciting. But that's yeah. not to say that they're not. <laughs> um, you know, and various missions to Mars. You know, and I understand the importance for yeah. that, but that that doesn't float my boat, as it yeah. were, to the same same extent as you know um, an Rosetta. asteroid impact or Rosetta exactly. Yeah, and that was that was the other thing. I mean, I think you know Rosetta was huge, mm. um, and and the, the fact that it did garner so much public interest um and of course you know the subject of space is hugely fascinating um and and it's it's great to sort of get more sort of young people um interested in in the subject so that you know they'll be leading scientists in about 20 or 30 years time you know they're set to respond to to anything that comes our way um and i think anything that that can be done to generate that fascination um, and that's why, you know, people like sort of Brian Cox and, of course, Dr. Brian May um, and, and various people like them, you know, to try and, you know, get people interested um, uh, as if, you know, the, the asteroid itself isn't enough to get yeah. people interested. You have to sort of get interested people to get mm. other people interested I, I mean, in I it. I think it would be one of I think it would be a real uh, crowd pleaser of a space mission just to an, just to attempt uh, deflecting yes. asteroids as a, a as a practice mission because because it, it would mm. be it'd be highly inspirational and 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 would show quite a lot of sort of all, all the techniques that we've been building up well, over that, years and years. Exactly. And years. See, that's the other thing that I mean. That's the, the thing for me as an emergency planner. When you've identified the hazard, you actually start working on it now, mm. um, not when the thing is hurtling towards you, <laughs> yeah. because you haven't got the time. Well, um, and it might not work. I mean, it's well, just like well, the yes. amount of space missions that don't work. Like the, yeah. the Japanese, we had the Japanese one the other day that the space tether it didn't work. No. You know, and it's just well, you don't yeah. want that situation. No, 
no, you, you, you don't. You don't use a real situation to yeah. uh, as a testing environment. Um, <laughs> Space is difficult, especially. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, you know that's that's the thing. There are so many variables. Yeah. Um, and yes, theoretically, you know, on paper, um, then you know the sort of the, the various deflection methods, like the kinetic, kinetic impact and the gravity tractor, you know, theoretically they should work. And that's a frustrating thing because the scientists want to run test missions. And it's absolutely key that, as you're right, you know, it's, it's a form of contingency planning. You test, you test the mechanism to see that it will work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I assume you need lots of funding for that. <laughs> that well, again, you see, this, this comes back to, you know, not, not, if, if one government wanted to do it, then it would completely blow the budget. Mm. Whereas if there was international funding for this, mm. and each country, um, you know, contributed, you know, so much of GDP, mm. um, they, they do that with NATO. Mm. Um, it's something like 2% or 2.5% of GDP. So mm. it, it, it's not... Um, I don't think it's, you know, a Mission Impossible situation here. Yeah, there is there is a and there is a, a new body called Asgardia, is that right? I saw that, that, yes. Yeah, that they, that was recently in, in Room Magazine. Yes. And they're yes. a they're a, a sort of space nation. And I believe one of their uh, sort of um parts of their space nation is that they were going to st- to protect Earth yes. as, as their as their yes. mandate. Yeah, exactly. Asteroids that, that, that uh, to respond to the hazard posed by um, uh, comets and asteroids. Yeah. Uh, I was very excited when I when I read that. Um, and I can't remember the name of the Russian scientist. It was a Russian scientist, yes. wasn't it? That, I've got I've up. got it here. I have but it right here. To funnily my... enough, I jo- I did join really really oh, really. Good work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excellent. Do you know? Well, I uh, sadly I did join when it first when I, I saw it on Twitter. I thought, oh, this is this is an amazing idea. And I've completely forgotten about it until seeing this art, uh, yes. article. Yes, and I thought, well, I haven't done that yet because they they were saying about closing it down, um, but then they've opened it back up again. I believe it's a gentleman by the name of Igor Ashub. Be- Be- Bailey, <laughs> apologies. I'm glad you tried if that you're, if, you're, if you're listening, um, or anyone else who who knows him, I you know, no disrespect for mispronouncing his his name. But I think again, that's a wonderful um, initiative, um, and I think I think it's a great initiative. It's just I, I suppose I wish there was something more earth based, yeah. um, and a, and a body that was. Already, already recognised. I mean, you kind of want the United Nations to sort of say, "Let's set up a yes, an, act, an actual space yeah. uh, protection system that, uh, that, 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 yeah, that has some kind of meaning." That, that actually everyone signed up to the UN has to take part in and in, in, in helping out. Yes. Yeah, the irony that so much money would be get, putting into seeing how we can all get to Mars because we never know when we're going to. You know, being bad luck here. Well, it's like, well, let's try and stop that bad luck from happening first. You know, yeah, well, why don't we put a bit of money into that? Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's that joke about what the, the dinosaurs. How good was the dinosaurs' space program? Not very good. That's why they're not here anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Exactly. Yes, that was a. I think that was a, an Arthur C. Clarke quote. What is it that ordinary folk like us can actually do for this project? What can we do? How can we help? How can we get the word out there? What can we do? Well, I, I, I think the first thing would be to certainly have a look at the Asteroid Day website. Uh, if you just Google Asteroid Day, um, and then if you um, sort of uh, can sort of sign up, there's newsletters that come out quite regularly. Um, and again, I sort of think in terms of you know moving this forward, um, 
in relation to you know putting this on the national risk register mm. um then i think maybe we ought to possibly think about and it's something i need to have a chat with grig but about initiatives that we can encourage people to perhaps sign up to so that you've got a groundswell of support um, within the public because a lot of it you know, and i know some from friends of mine who are members of parliament they do it on the size of the post bag Mm. Um, so you know, just a lone email from me saying, "Hello, <laughs> sorted out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can I come and have a chat? <laughs> yeah. um, you know, they they get inundated uh, with requests. Um, so from various sort of interesting people. Um, and so it is. It's it's um, you know on, on a scale to which um, you know politicians will take note of this. Um, so I think I think that's absolutely sort of key, really. Mm. Um, and if people are sort of so um, um, excited about the subject, interested in the subject, and sort of perturbed by it, uh, as I am, um, and and certainly you know my fellow asteroid, asteroid Day members are, um, and we've got um, we've obviously got the press conference this afternoon, um, which again there'll be more information coming out mm. from that. Um, but yeah, there's 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 globally and internationally there's 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 a huge sort of movement. Um, and a lot of it has been generated from the UN. But I think the biggest thing for us is that there's no recognised sort of international mm. um, sort of command and control and coordination. Um, and it, at the moment, it would be very difficult, you know, if something did happen, well, who's in charge? Who's mm. responsible? Yeah. And that's the other thing. And I think really in terms... So as much as it is the UN, um, I think, um, you know, the other sort of... Um, uh, format or the other venue uh, not venues so much but i know the the other places where this ought to be discussed perhaps g8 and g20 summits absolutely um because they're the you know it's those summits that determine how funding um is um is is sort of um determined uh, and what initiatives are funded um so for me this is this is this is sort of you know civil defense civil protection um if we if the uk puts money into nato then i don't see why uh, it can't put money into into space-based as uh, you know natural hazards mm. that have you know just a devastating or just has the same uh, um, uh, possibility or likelihood of, of a devastating yeah. uh, effect yeah. so we should really. try and get our listeners to email their mps yes demand action, <laughs> demand action. that's what i'm saying get, just get rise involved. up people. rise up Absolutely. I don't want to finish on a downer, so because because we 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 have we have denigrated the poor old asteroid all all, all morning. <laughs> well, actually, no, 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 no. We haven't denigrated it particularly, but yeah. we're just mindful mindful of the effects that it can have. It's a bit it's... like the ocean, isn't it? Really, yeah. Like the ocean is extremely dangerous, but it's also a, a fantastic, give it respect, life giving place. It, it, well, exactly. So you know, when they're up there. And they're in their right or rightful orbits, you know, and they're not being perturbed or disturbed or bashing into each other or, you know, moved by the sun or anything else. You know, then they're absolutely glorious and, and you know, we can admire them. Um, but, yes, it's when they, when, they, when they end up being somewhere where they shouldn't be. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's the issue. Yeah. Although we wouldn't be here without asteroids. Well, that's the other thing, you know, and being positive, exactly. This is why the subject is so fascinating, because, of course, they were the building blocks. Yeah. You know, life um, came from them. Also, I always think that they kind of test how robust a certain DNA structure is, and sometimes it's not robust enough, and it keeps coming in, wipes them out, no, you weren't good enough. (laughs) Maybe we might be the first ones that are. I mean, (laughs) which would be a... 
if anything, would be humans' greatest achievement, wouldn't it? To be robust enough ex- to survive the thing anything. that no other species yeah. has, has ever been robust it, it, enough. Indeed. I mean, in a way, they did us a favour, because can you imagine sharing life with a dinosaur? That'd be so I mean, annoying. it would, you know, it's like you take your kids to school and, oh, oop, you lost one. We'll go yeah. outside, Vauxhall High Street. Try try terratops going down the yeah yeah. Or well, you're trying yeah. to build your house, <laughs> and it just gets knocked down like it's a block yeah. of Lego. So yeah. you know, so that's the, you well, know. Like Jurassic Park would have been yeah. Awesome, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Best special effects. Exactly. How do you train a, a dinosaur? Uh, anyway, you know, we <laughs> you could go on, but I think that's the that's the other thing really in terms of you know in, in terms of you know humanity and society or, or how you know life evolves and and different life forms evolve mm. then then yeah you know the asteroids had a had a key key involvement with that you know um so but it's again it's to be aware of that um we needn't suffer the same fate as the dinosaurs we will at the moment yeah and and you know unnecessarily and i remember again back in the 80s um i don't know if i should mention this you might edit this bit out but i'll but i've started so i'll finish <laughs> um i remember there was an aids campaign big aids campaign in the 80s and it was don't die of ignorance mm. Um, because it's, obviously it did, uh, AIDS did kill you, but it was encouraging people to look after themselves mm. and to take more responsibility. And that's the other thing. It won't be an asteroid that kills people. It will be ignorance yeah. that will kill people. And that's, again, the bit for me that I get... Absolutely. We have the chance to do something about well, it. It's, heart- well, it's, it's actually heartbreaking, isn't it? I mean, like you said, at the moment... It could wipe us out, and 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 that would be a tragedy because it needn't. Exactly, yeah. and and I, there's been a lot of close approaches, um, and yes, you know, we we've had um, an incident like Chelyabinsk, and you know, the, the, there'll be others, and there was there was one over Minneapolis, I think, last mm. week, um, a fireball, and so it's how you perceive these, you know, and I sort of, for me, they're sort of harbingers of mm. not harbingers of doom, yeah. um, but they're just knocking on the door going. Hello, we're here. Yeah. Just, you yeah, know, we're out there. So you know. We're not far, not far away. You know, and and yeah. I think how many, how many of those sort of door before yeah. bang? You know, right? We're opening the door. Like we yeah. told you. Yeah. We you told wonder we what it, you wonder what it would take. Yeah. Let's hope it doesn't get to that. Uh, it, I mean, we're only on podcast twenty two. We got loads more to talk about. <laughs> I've got so much more in my life. <laughs> I don't want it. I don't want it to be over. <laughs> I want to get to at least a hundred. Yeah. You know, it's like. Well, you know, when I said that we, us from the future, were introducing this, <laughs> yeah, may, maybe not. I mean, they do offer great research, you know, in different fields. You know, the subject of asteroids. Mm. Um, you know, to try, thinking back to your bit about let's be, let's finish on a positive note, yeah. and it, we haven't, yeah, we haven't done yeah. that yet. But, it, <laughs> <laughs> but I think being positive, you know, they, 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 they are a fa- fascinating subject. Mm. Um, you know, if you know, if anyone listening in is, you know, you're studying at school. I mean, I wish I'd known known about this subject when I was at school, because for me, you know, I was, I was, you know, I couldn't really, you know, what do I need maths for, and what do I need this for, and mm. blah blah blah. And I was, you know, I would say bored, rigid, uh, but I could have been much more engaged. I wasn't very academic, um, and so it's only later on that I think I wish this would have fascinated yeah. me if I'd have been a kid at school. Mm. You know, when somebody sort of started talking about asteroids, I'd be like, right, hey, yeah, what do I need to do? I want to be a rocket scientist. Right, great. Yeah. Or maybe not. But, but you can make your fortune with asteroids, as we've said before. Some of, them, some of these things are worth quintillions oh, yeah. of dollars oh, of, of exactly. raw material. Yes. Asteroid mining. Yes. Asteroid mining. This exactly. Is, that's what we want to get into. Well, and I think, you know, it's um, an organisation, I think they're based in Luxembourg. Um, and oh, yeah, I the think planetary resources. Is that so, yes, I, yeah. yes, I think so. And they are very much into sort of mining asteroids. 
um, because again of the resources that they contain within them. Um, this is why characterization is just so key. Well, I, but, I think that would help, wouldn't it? If, if if we had asteroid mining, then they would be sending up there. Yes. The, these these small satellites that would be exactly. cataloging exactly. What's exactly on each of these. My things. only my only concern, slightly only slightly sort of. You know, my antenna's gone up a bit. Yeah. You start, you know, you go up to a mission to this large asteroid and you start mining it. So you start digging holes into it, you start drilling it, you start pulling it apart. Where's that asteroid going to go? Because mm-hmm. you've changed then its characterization. You've changed its character. You've, you've, you've changed its properties. You might have a Kessler effect, won't you, of, of asteroids, well, I suppose. Y- you, yes. You start something off that you've no idea yeah. where it's going to end. Yeah. So I say, therefore, it's good that we can end with saying again what the website is that people can go to. In case anyone forgot from earlier, there will be a test. <laughs> <laughs> what is the website that people can go to to check out? And it's sign Asteroid up? Day website. So it's www.asteroidday.org. And that's all lowercase. And Asteroid Day uh, is all one word and two Ds. And Asteroid Day is again on June the... June the 30th. 30th. June so this 30th. year, Friday, June the 30th. And you said okay. you had a press release today. Uh, we've got a press conference today. All right. Um, we're, um, it's, in, it's taking place in Luxembourg. Um, and I'm sort of dialing into it. So I've got two minutes. I was going to say, you better... Yeah, no, I'm, it doesn't... <laughs> better yeah, get a move yeah, on yeah, no, you get so, to Luxembourg. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to Luxembourg. Yeah, no, I'm not, um, no, I'm going to the Cisco headquarters in Finsbury Park. Oh, nice. So, um, so yeah, so I've got to be Good there at one o'clock. Yeah. So, um, so yes, yeah, so I've got to be there for, for one o'clock. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay. okay. I'm on time. Um, and then um, tomorrow we're doing one for the UK event and the other regional coordinators events. Um, so that's at the Space Guard Centre in Knighton in Wales, so which is the home of the, the National Near-Earth mm. Object Information Centre for the UK. Uh, so we're there tomorrow. Um, but for June 30th, we're at Imperial College. Oh, wow. So, um, yes, we're running a, a series of events um, in Lecture Theatre 1 at Imperial College, um, which they very kindly uh, donated to Asteroid Day. Wow. Um, it must be something to do with their alumni. Po- quite, quite possibly, quite, quite possibly. Um, but the the biggest thing for me, you know, we were talking about the the, the dinosaurs, um, and of course there was a drilling expedition last year uh, undertaken by a number of people from uh, professors from Imperial College London. Uh, one of one of those people is uh, Dr Joanna Morgan, um, and uh, Max Alexander uh, took a, a photographic record. Um, of the Chicxulub uh, drilling of the of the crater rim, mm-hmm. um, which is absolutely fascinating. So that's going to be a key feature of Asteroid Day, um, and then we've sort of got numbers, a number of sort of people talking to us. Um, we've got Helen Sharman, oh, uh, wow. Dr. Helen Sharman. So of course she's also at Imperial. So it is it's, again, it's very much linking, you know, academia, um, alumni, um, again, people who've been working in that field. Um, and pulling it all together that you know it's all it's all connected um so and again sort of in relation to the impact effects from these sort of coming down um well that sounds like a fabulous event oh exactly i'm really really looking forward to it really really excited so yes do come and join us we should do we should do a podcast on june the 30th from there yes that would be a very good idea brilliant oh that would be lovely to see you both again debbie thank you so much for coming down to the bis and telling us about this fascinating 
Thank you. Thank you for having me. No Thank problem. you for listening. Good luck for the next few days. <laughs> and yes, and, and yes, hopefully we've got your message out there into the big wide world. It's quite Indeed. A, yeah, it's good. We've got even North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. We, have a, we have one listener in North Korea. Oh, I don't know fabulous. How, how are they doing it? Yeah, we won't name or shame anyone for obvious reasons, but yeah, keep listening, please. Yeah. Tell your mates. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, thank you very much for Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.